Go. I, I started coming to, to Monaghan Elim, and it's great to be back with you and uh, just renew some fellowship, see some familiar faces, and see some new faces as well. Um, and how exciting uh, to be here on a, a Sunday where you've announced you've got a new pastor coming. That's a, that's a privilege for me to hear that, and uh, I'm sure you've got a great uh, future ahead of you as a church. So uh, God bless you in, in all of those things. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is uh, Steve, Steve Parsons, and um, for 25 years I was in a traveling music ministry, and um, traveling all over the world, singing songs and speaking at various events, and then three years ago, I became senior pastor at a church in Cheshire, uh, in Macclesfield, and, uh, and so that's been a big change for me, but every so often they let me escape and uh, go out and do some, some songs or, or, or speak, and uh, I think what I'm going to do this morning is uh, go straight into the Word. I'll, I'll sing some songs tonight, I think, at the seven o'clock service, uh, but I'm just going to go straight into the Word uh, this morning, and I, I want to take uh, a, a few verses at the end of First Thessalonians, chapter five. Right at the end of First Thessalonians, at the end of the fifth chapter, there's a few verses there, and it's sort of um, in my Bible it says final instructions and benediction. And if you're not careful, you could think that means that, oh, there's just a few, you know, just a few little words to sort of wrap up the, the letter, and, you know, you can skip over that bit. But actually, in these, in these closing verses, there's a huge amount of uh, really important things. I don't know if this microphone's even working, is it? I, I, I'm holding it like this, and it's not even on, so I don't know. I'll give it back to you. It is working, yeah. No, oh, it is working. Oh, okay. Didn't do that one. Hello. Okay. There we go. All right. So uh, there's a lot going on here in these in these final uh, in these final verses. So I'm going to read from verse 12. It says, "We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you." And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. 
Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. How many else you'd agree with me? There's a whole lot going on in just the final closing remarks of this letter. There's a huge amount of instruction and, and it's all about the way that we ought to be living amongst each other uh, as believers. Um, and this verse is so powerful, verse 23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Many of you will know that word sanctify, it means to be set apart for God's purpose. That's what sanctification is, to be set apart for his purpose completely. And your, that your whole spirit and soul and body became kept blameless at the coming of the Lord. It talks about being at peace. It talks about um, honoring those who uh, are leaders amongst you because of the work that they do. By the way, none of them have asked me to speak on this. You know, they didn't kind of, you know, come along and say, hey, Steve, could you say something about honoring the leaders? That would be, really, be really good. None of them have said that. Uh, here's what I want to talk about about for a few minutes this morning. I want to talk about something that has the potential to make your life meaningful and beautiful or destroy your life. And it's something that goes on in every single person in this church today. Here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about emotions. Emotions. Those feelings that we have that go on within us. It's uh, the first day of Advent. It's Christmas. And Christmas brings with it, doesn't it, a whole range of emotions. For many people, Christmas is a time of joy and warmth and, 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 and wonder and, you know, drinking eggnog lattes and whatever that is. Uh, does anybody know what eggnog is? I have no idea. It's nog. It's a nog with eggs in it. And, uh, but we all drink it, don't we? Maybe you do. And, uh, you know, we all have cinnamon, you know, biscuits and, and mince pies and sing carols. And, and there's these, all these emotions that go with, with Christmas. And yet, yet there, are, there are other people and their emotions at Christmas are different. Their emotions are of the people that aren't with them at this time of year. Their emotions are of perhaps loneliness. Maybe even jealousy of the sort of perfect life that somebody else seems to have with their perfect house and their perfect family and their perfect decorations. And people look at their own life and go, my life doesn't look anything like the picture-perfect Christmas card. All kinds of emotions rise up. And it's not just at Christmas, is it? It's throughout our lives we deal with emotions in churches have you ever heard about church I've, I grew up going to church my dad is a pastor so I grew up in a pastor's home I spent 25 years traveling around the world visiting churches and I, I've heard story after story of do you ever hear about that, that church that was going so well and, and, and the church was growing 
and they had this great mission and all these wonderful things happening. And they're like, oh, have you heard what happened? They had a big, big fallout. You know, the, the pastor had a punch-up with one of the deacons in the car park and then the pastor's wife came out and knocked both of them out. She's in jail. We laugh, but we've all heard those kind of, I know I'm being facetious, but we've all heard those kind of stories, right? About how the, the, that great church, and now it's not like it used to be. And why? So often because of emotions, feelings, and rage within us. It's not just corporately as churches, individually as, as people. How many people's lives have been wrecked because of a, a crazy decision that was fueled by an emotion? And we're going to look a little bit at that today. You see, when Paul says that the God of glory, the God of peace, should sanctify us completely, he means completely. Not just our outer life, but our inner life too. Sometimes as Christians, uh, have you ever heard the phrase, fake it till you make it? You know that phrase? Fake it till you make it. Christians can be quite good at that. I've said for many years, uh, every year they hand out the Academy Awards in Hollywood for the best actors and actresses in the world. And every year they get it wrong. Because if you want to find the best actors and actresses in the world, don't go to Hollywood, go to church. Because we know how to act really well. We know what it is to make ourselves look good on the outside so that everybody thinks we're a, we're a good man of God, we're a good woman of God, we, we sort of look the right way. But you know, and I know too, from experience, that you might look good on the outside, but on the inside there can be all kinds of things going on in you. You can smile on the outside, but be angry on the inside. You can act, you can act graciously on the outside, but be bitter on the inside. Let me ask you a question today. If I had a machine up here that I could pull out and I could look into your inner world it was sort of a, an emotion analyzer and all I had to do was hold it up and, and look at you what would I see what would I see today would I see uh, an inner world that is peaceful and joyful and calm and being sanctified, or would I see things in your emotions that you know ought not to be there? Because here's the truth. The God that we've just been worshipping, he doesn't need that machine. He sees it all anyway. He knows exactly what we're thinking. He knows exactly what we're feeling and what our emotions are about. The scriptures teach us to pay attention to our inner world because our inner world has the ability to not only affect our outer world but completely wreck our outer world. Listen to Proverbs 4 verse 23. It says, above all else, guard your heart 
for everything you do flows from it. Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, verse 15, there's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. He goes on in Mark chapter 7 to say this. He says, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of a man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, Murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Have you been paying attention lately to what's going on in your inner world, to your emotions, to your feelings. How many lives have been wrecked by a, a crazy moment of road rage? Normal person driving, driving down the, the road who suddenly has a crazy moment, does something with their car and there's a knock-on consequence for years. They find themselves in jail. I've done lots of prison ministry over the years. I've sat down and spoken to men and women in prison who have looked me in the eye and said, I don't know how I ended up. Just an emotional thing that took over. The following decision put them in. Now, I've got a few things to say that hopefully can help us with our emotions, with our inner world this morning. The first one, I think, is that we should always remember that our emotions don't always reflect how things actually are. In other words, our feelings are not always the best indicator of reality. They're just the way we feel ever had one of those days where sort of a depression has descended upon you or a sense of hopelessness has descended upon you or anxiety or worry you might have started the day really well I started the day really well today because I had bacon and eggs at the Carlton house today we don't ever get bacon and eggs in our house it's uh, not on Sunday morning but uh, today at the Carlton house uh, praise God for, that's, that's one of the benefits of being on the road, visiting somewhere. You get bacon and eggs. But do you ever have one of those days that started normally, the sun's out, you had bacon and eggs for, for breakfast, and maybe you're at work, or maybe you're at the kitchen sink, or maybe whatever, you're doing whatever, and from nowhere a thought crosses your mind. It was just a thought. Nobody appreciates you in the church, you know. Had that thought cross your mind? Nobody appreciates you. Everybody takes you for granted. No one ever says thank you to you. It's just a thought. But if you let that thought take root, two minutes go by, five minutes go by, ten minutes go by, and now that thought becomes a feeling. It becomes an emotion. Maybe it becomes a, a little bit of a sort of anger. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Nobody, nobody sees me. Nobody ever says thank you to me. Or maybe it becomes something more like a depression. Yeah, nobody sees me. 
Nobody ever says thank you to me. And before you know it, that emotion has become your reality, but it's not really the reality. Just the way you feel. Elijah is an incredible man in the Old Testament, incredible prophet of God. In, in 1 Kings chapter 18, we see him defeating the false prophets of Baal. He's having his, his pinnacle moment. He's up there, you know, uh, calling down the, the fire of God. He's taking on the false prophets single-handedly. It's an incredible moment there in 1 Kings chapter 18. And yet in the next chapter, in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah is running for his life. Why? Because there's a woman who's angry with him. All the fellas, we all know that feeling of running for our lives because it is a scary thing just to, you know, we'd all agree uh, we feel sorry with Elijah. But the, it, the, the contrast is acute, sharp. I mean, here he is in one chapter taking on the false prophets of Baal, seeing God perform a great miracle, and then he hears that Jezebel is after him, and now he, he's so scared and fearful and depressed. And it says in verse um, uh, 13, God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? How did you get here? The mountaintop experience of Faith and power and confidence. Now, in fact, it says there in that chapter, it's, I find it always a little humorous because he's scared that, that someone's trying to kill him and so he lies down and he prays that he might die. That ironic. Lord, someone's trying to kill me. Just let me die. I've had enough. My life's over. And... Uh, but here's what happens. Elijah says to God, in, in, in answer to God's question, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah says, God, I'm the only one who's left. I'm the only one who's left. My life's over. They're, they're trying to kill me. And so God gives Elijah some instructions about what to do next. And then God says, by the way, uh, Elijah, you're wrong. There are 7,000 other people that are loyal to me. See how Elijah's emotions had skewed his perception of reality? Because of how he felt, because of his fear, he thought he was the only one who was left. But God sees the whole picture and God says, actually, Elijah, here's what you need to do. First of all, you need to get some sleep and you need to get something to eat. Then you need to know something. You need to know there's actually 7,000 people loyal to me. That's the reality. Don't let your emotions rob you of what's really. Easy to lose perspective in this life, isn't it? To start seeing things through our, the lens of our feelings, the lens of our emotions. And what you and I constantly need to do is bring those feelings, those emotions to God and say, God, would you sanctify my feelings? Would you sanctify my emotions? And would you help me to see things from your perspective? 
so that I see things as they really are, not as I imagine them to be. I'm not talking just theoretically here this morning either. I'm talking to you pragmatically from experience because some of you will know six years ago I had heart surgery for a, an arrhythmia and on the back of that heart surgery I started experiencing panic attacks. I'd never had panic attacks in my life. I didn't understand what, the, I didn't know what they were. As a pastor, as a church leader, when people used to come to me and say, uh, you know, I'm having anxiety and panic attacks, I used to think I'd I didn't know what they meant. It started happening to me. I, I had moments driving down the road where I had to pull my car over to the side of the road because I was convinced I was about to die. A panic attack. Was I about to die? No. That wasn't true, but it's how I felt. So I know how the way we feel can skew our perception of reality. Oh, how we need to come back to God and say, God, help me to see things from your perspective as they really are. Don't let my feelings and my emotions rob me of what is true. Number two, secondly, I wouldn't want to encourage us Friends, with this thought, don't let your uncontrolled emotion ruin your future. Here's the truth. There's something that every one of us has in common in this church today, and it's this. None of us know how much time we have on this planet. None of us. As a pastor, I often joke with some of the little old ladies uh, who will come up to me and they'll say, well, you know, I'll be dead before you. And I'll say, how do you know? How do you know? You don't know that. Say, I might, I might go before you. None of us have anything more than the moment we're in. None of us know. Only God knows how much time, how much future in this life we have. I don't know about you. I want to live my life with enthusiasm. I want to live my life with joy. I want to live my life for the power of the gospel. I want to live my life for God's purpose. I don't want to waste my life with destructive emotions. Sometimes I meet Christians who for years have held on to feelings and emotions and, and things in their inner world that have held them back year after year after year, and they never let it go. And if there's anybody like that here today, I don't know if there is, but if there is, my question is, how many more years are you going to hold on to it? Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to get up in the morning with a smile on your face, with love in your heart, with grace in your heart, and live for God's glory in the days that you have. Don't let uncontrolled emotion ruin your future. Moses, you remember Moses? Moses was tired. People had been complaining. They were thirsty. Moses asked God what to do. God tells him to speak to the rock and then the water will flow from it. Moses, however, 
turns this opportunity for a miracle into a demonstration of his superiority to the people. Perhaps it was anger, perhaps it was frustration, perhaps it was pride boiling over in Moses' heart, but he strikes the rock twice instead of speaking to it like God said. Water does flow. The result is that God tells Moses that he won't enter the promised land. Even a great leader like Moses, let anger get the better of him. Don't think that you're immune. If Moses isn't immune, you and I aren't immune either. King Saul was fearful. He's facing a battle with enemy troops. He's waiting for the prophet to come and offer the priestly sacrifice on behalf of him and the army. But the prophet's late. He's not arrived yet. Perhaps it was fear. Perhaps it was impatience or even arrogance that rose up in Saul's heart. But he decides to offer the priestly sacrifice himself, something he was not supposed to do. The result is that he loses his kingdom. Cain was jealous. He'd brought an offering to God. His brother Abel had brought a better offering, one that God accepted. Did Cain humble himself, deal with his emotions and learn from it? No, Cain murders his own brother of uncontrolled emotion. David, wonderful David, who wrote so much of the scripture for us that we use in our prayer life in the Psalms. He was distracted by the beauty of Bathsheba. Emotion starts rising up within him. Does he put to death the uncontrolled emotion? No, he, he enters into something he shouldn't have done. The result, adultery. The result, the murder of her husband. Oh my goodness. Go on and on through the scriptures again and again and again, seeing people who made choices that were out of God's will because of uncontrolled emotion. between us made some pretty foolish decisions in our lives. I know I have. Thank God for grace this morning. Thank God for this table because it took part in together again as God's people. We remembered his body, we remembered his blood. Actually our sins are washed away and forgiven. Don't take part in this table and leave your emotions unsanctified. May, the God, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Thoroughly sanctified, thoroughly set apart. It says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Do you rule your spirit or does your spirit rule you? Learn how to rule your spirit. 
God's glory. Emotions are always going to be there. They are going to rise up again and again and again. If you learned to identify the emotion, you go, okay, I'm angry, I'm tired, I'm tempted, I'm frustrated, I feel sorry for myself, I own it, I see what's going on, but this is not going to rule me. I am going to rule it. Thirdly, don't be limited by other people's uncontrolled emotion. If you and I can learn to do something about our emotion, uh, one thing we cannot do is control other people's emotions. I have learned as a pastor that there is very little I can do about how people feel about me. Now, I, could, I could go home and worry a lot until remaining three hairs on my head fall out. Or I can leave it in God's hands. But I made a decision. I'm not going to let anybody blackmail me with their emotions. I'm not going to let anybody discourage me because of their emotions. I'm not going to let anybody rob me of my joy because of their emotions. You know, back to Elijah, the thing that really upset Elijah was Jezebel's anger. It was her anger. And Elijah couldn't do anything about her anger, but he could do something about how he felt in response to her anger. Edwin Friedman calls this the, this principle of self differentiation, the importance of not letting somebody else's uncontrolled emotion affect actually turn it the other the other way. You know we have a great opportunity as God's people to be peacemakers. You can actually make peace. Make peace. You can make it happen. So uh, Brian comes to me and he's a bit agitated. He says, now listen here, Parsons, you know, I told you, I'm trying to make an illustration up on the spot and I can't think of one right now. I, um, I told you to be done by quarter past 12. Uh, and he's a bit agitated about it. I have the opportunity, now I can enter into that emotion and go, wow, you know, you never, no, you never did tell me. Yes, I did, no, I didn't. Or he could come to me and say, I told you to be done by quarter past 12. He didn't, by the way. And I could just say, you know what, Brian, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Let me ask you a question. Are you good at making peace or do you let other people's emotions stir up your emotions? Now, listen to me because I've... I, I can only say this in, in Ireland, what I'm about to say. But don't get angry with me. But I can say this because I'm one of you. I'm, I'm Cornish. I am Celtic. I am Celtic. And us Celts, we're quite good at emotion, aren't we? Aren't we? We know what it is to be a bit fiery. And it's not a bad thing. 
But I tell you what, there's nothing like the fiery Celts to kind of get stirred up about something. Is, is that part of your life sanctified? Is it brought to Jesus? Are you saying to Jesus, Lord, I don't want to be someone who goes toe-to-toe with somebody every five minutes. I want to be a peacemaker. Final thing, because I do want to get finished, is, uh, and I'll finish with this. It's just that impo- the importance of just guarding our hearts. Being aware of what's going on. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Be honest with your brothers and sisters in Christ. When you're tired, when you're discouraged, when you're burned out, when you're spiritually dry, don't fake it till you make it. Open, be real. Tell somebody this is what's going on right now. You know when you come to church, and some, I know it's not appropriate with everybody, but sometimes you, someone says, hey, how are you doing? You need to say, well, to be honest, I'm a bit, a bit frustrated at the moment. I'm just struggling a bit. Could you pray for me? Or I'm, I'm really feeling discouraged right now. Could you pray for me? Fake it till you make it. Be real about what's going on. Come to pray. Is there anyone in this world who's ever managed their emotions well? is one. There is one. Worshipping him today. Just read through the gospels of Jesus. See how he handled his emotions. He he had such extreme circumstances going on. He was popular one moment, rejected the next. But you never read about Jesus going off because he needed counseling. You never read about Jesus. Jesus sat in a corner and felt sorry for himself. Jesus knew how to handle his emotions. In Gethsemane, he sanctified his emotion. He was wrestling before he went to the cross. Is there any other way, Lord? Is there any way this cup can pass from me? Father, not my will, but your will be done. You know what that is? That's sanctifying your whole life through and through. Not what I want, Father. It's what you want. I want, it's what. Talk about being abandoned, being betrayed those closest to him his best friends denying him on the other side of the cross and his resurrection he doesn't come back to to his disciples to get his own back he doesn't sit his disciples down and say have I got a bone to pick with you where were you lot when I was no there's one who Sanctified his emotions through and through. He loves those who abandoned him. And that man, Jesus, can help you and he can help me. 
He understands emotion. Tempted in every way. So when you talk to Jesus about your emotion, he knows, he gets it, he understands. The more I become enraptured in him, the more I trust him, the more I worship him, the more I turn my heart toward him, the more I begin to change. Father, we um, thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the God who's gracious toward us. Lord, that you see everything that's going on in our lives. You see the way we feel. You know, you know and understand our emotions. And you call us to give our inner world to you. So we pray, Lord, that you would help us to do that more and more. Help us to live in a way that glorifies you. Help us to live in a way that our emotions don't wreck our future. Help us to live in a way that our emotions are sanctified through and through so that our inner world honors you much as our outer world. Lord, I pray for anyone in this church today who has been struggling, whether it's with frustration or whether it's with fear or worry. Whatever it might be, I pray, Lord, that even now in this moment of prayer, they'd be able to lay those emotions at your feet. I pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would bring peace and bring joy, bring wholeness to those places. Ask it in Jesus' name.